Good afternoon, my friends. Happy Wednesday. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G on such a great day. And I tell you what, as always, the show is going to be fierce. Here we are back here building trust and delivering truth. Every week on the show, I just love my guests. I love talking about health because really it's our foundation for everything. As a physician, I want you to be healthy. I want you to, but I want you to live your life's purpose. Again, we can never lose that broader perspective of what we want to do. So each week on the show, I love talking about great topics with awesome guests. Today's show is no different. We're breaking it down today. Rheumatologic conditions made ridiculously simple. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing at Edward Hospital in Naperville, Illinois. I'm also a member of the American, American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So it's all about lifestyle. The things that I tell my patients all the time, move more, eat better, stress less, get some sleep because you know the latter part affects everything that we do but i'm so excited to welcome you guys back to the show check me on my website www.drmarkgomez.com we're broadcasting you broadcasting live here at intellectual radio studios we're also on facebook welcome back everybody again today's show i'm so excited you guys are going to meet my guests in a few moments uh she and i go back a great friend and colleague and i cannot wait for you guys to hear her story and again as clinicians we always talk about what's important for people again it's all about the, the what you're trying to do with your health, why you're trying to do it, and then how are we going to get there. We want to navigate you in your life's journey, your health journey from point A to point B, and have it be full of as many successes as possible. And remember, at the end of the day, talk to your doctor. I think at the end of the day, we always say, I tell this to my patients, there's no such thing as crying wolf. I'd rather have you tell me something than not tell me, tell me anything at all. I'd rather give you reassurance and then get you back into your life and everything versus delaying things. Again, prevention is the solution and certainly being proactive versus being reactive. Again, so I'm so excited. Rheumatologic conditions made ridiculously simple. I just love that. You guys are going to hear about it today. We're going to talk about, it's really a show for you. All these shows are for you at the end of the day. Me and my expert panelists, we want to give you guys the tools you need for success in everything that you do. But today's show, when I was coming up with this idea, I was like, all right, I get asked so many questions by my patients. It's kind of like a frequently asked questions. And I get asked so many things and I always say, all right, let me take a mental note and say, all right, let's write that down. So today's show is for you. It's like a grab bag, a mail grab of, of answers to your commonly asked questions and no difference than what we're doing today on rheumatology. So before we get into everything today on the show, I want to read you a quick disclaimer. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So here we are today. We're talking about rheumatology, and, and again, that's a, that's a word that I don't know if everybody understands it. Um, we have our perceptions of it if you do. A lot of people think it's just arthritis, but it's more than that. And so we're going to talk about that today. But we're going to get into a lot of things. I'm actually going to be debuting a new segment on the show today on Tierra with Dr. G called Is It True That? And we're going to fill in the blanks. Of course, you know, towards the end of the show, we're going to do my coveted myths versus facts that we do every week. And it's all about setting the record straight. I want you guys to be empowered uh, with the information that you receive. And the best thing you can do today is share the show. Any loved one that you have, someone that's on a journey that just needs more information, again, use me, use my experts, uh, their credential and what they do, their passion, what they do to help you be a better you. So don't forget about that. So what I want to do today, of course, is I want to introduce you guys to my amazing, I like saying that word amazing, my amazing panelists today. And, and she doesn't know, but I'm actually wearing socks today 
that are that have shapes of bones on them because we're talking about <laughs> rheumatology. And so uh, I am. I'll have to show her those my socks after the show. So she hasn't seen them yet. But I did this for you Great, for a reason because we're going to be talking about some joints and some bones and other things like that. But what we're going to do today is we're going to really center the conversation around the most common rheumatologic conditions that certainly are out there. And of course, it's my show. I get to choose those conditions. But uh, but I want to introduce you to my good friend. So let me read the credentials because her credentials run deep. I want to welcome to the show Dr. Nisha De Silva. She's a board-certified rheumatologist. She's with Edward Elmer's Health. Check her out, www.eehealth.org. Dr. De Silva, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. I I'm excited wanna, to be here. I know. I was like, I was like, this is this is like the universe coming in. I'm like, okay, we connected and let's do this on radio. Yes. Because why not? You're so passionate yes. about what you do. I am. You take such good care from my patients. And it's true. She's seen a ton of my patients. Thank you. Check her out again, www.eehealth.org. Um, so Dr. De Silva, let's do this. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you go to medical school? Sure. Where did you do your residency training? Uh, and what's kind of your thoughts of just general mm -hmm. uh, opening remarks about rheumatology in general? Sure, yeah. So um, I actually grew up in the area. I'm from um, Darien Downers Grove. Um, I went to undergrad in St. Louis, and then I went to med school at Midwestern University or Chicago College of Osteopathic Medicine. From there, I did my internal medicine training at Franciscan St. James, so that's in the south suburbs, so Olympia Fields and Chicago Heights. Um, from there, I did a chief. Um, I was co-chief for my third year of internal medicine. It wasn't an additional year, but it it was built into my third year of um, residency and then I went on to do rheumatology and I stayed at the same um, program but it was based in Indiana so kind of Dyer Munster area and then from there I was kind of ready to come back home and so now I've, I've been at um, Edward uh, Edward Elmer's Health or eHealth since September of last year and I have two offices in Naperville and Plainfield so I kind of provide care for a little bit wide um, demographics in the area. Yeah, you really do. And you're so passionate about what you do because, again, yeah. I hear this back from my patients and they're like, oh my God, it's Dr. G. Thanks for sending me over to, thanks for recommending Dr. De Silva. And, and really, I think we have a, such a great professional relationship in that. And that you all, I mean, first of all, when I read your letters to me, I feel like I'm getting, I'm, I'm like, I'm learning so much. I feel like I should get like a, what we call a continuing medical education credit sure. uh, because <laughs> the, the, the knowledge is deep. So, again, I want to pick your brain today. Uh, and of I'm going to contribute as well, too. I'm not just going to pick on Dr. De Silva, even though her, even though she knows so much, I'm going to try to contribute where I can. But that, of course, means translation that I'm going to get the easy questions and give her the harder <laughs> ones. But no, thank you for coming out of today. Of course, thanks for having me. And so I want to kind of set the record straight here. You know, when it comes to rheumatologic conditions, there's so much misinformation out there, mm -hmm. and, and really, I think we have to definitely set the record straight. And it's on shows like this that we're able to do so because we certainly, you and I, when we talk about our mutual yeah. patients, we want them to do so well. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we know that as a fact. More than 50 million Americans suffer from rheumatologic conditions, and there's actually over 100 different types of conditions. Now, we're focusing it down to five things today, uh, and, and the five things will be rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, fibromyalgia, gout, and then lupus. But, but again, I want to, and that's how I kind of uh, mm -hmm. constructed the program, but, but it's okay if we, if we get a little bit... Uh, you know, going down one way, we'll, sure. we'll answer those kind of questions. But this show is, again, really for you about the grab bag. But I want to ask this to you first. Mm -hmm. Rheumatology, what's kind of the, what are kind of the things you, you hear when people hear the term rheumatology or rheumatologist? You know, how do you just 
tell people what you do? Sure. So a lot of times when I tell people I'm a rheumatologist, they look at me and they kind of nod and they're like, so what exactly is that? Is that like a bone doctor? Is that an arthritis doctor? And yes, to a certain extent, that, that is what, what rheumatologists do. But we also focus on not just the bones itself. So it's the musculoskeletal system and to a certain extent, even the vascular system. So we treat what's known as autoimmune conditions. So essentially when the immune system, which normally is supposed to help you fight infections and kind of recover after stressful events, starts to go haywire for whatever reason and starts to attack your own your own self. Now whether that's the bone, the skin, um, you know, the that's where people can get joint pain as well as even the muscles. I mean it literally can affect these conditions can affect head to toe. So um, it gets really it gets it gets difficult to explain what exactly we do because we do kind of have to know the body head to toe to help patients kind of deal with these conditions. You have to know everything. I mean I add organs and all the, like the right. organs in there too. I mean you guys just do so much and I'm glad like when I get perplexed or, or run into a, a wall working on a patient, I know that I can have trusted people like you, professionals that can just say, hey, you know, this is maybe what it kind of sounds sure. like, and let's work together and let's help our patients uh, feel so mm -hmm. much better. So I appreciate it. So each week, you know, uh, when we do the show, we have something called the chief complaint. And obviously the chief complaint is when people come into our office and they say, hey, I'm here for such and such reason. So the chief complaint, AKA the question of the hour, as I was talking about a little bit earlier about some misleading information. So here's a question of the hour. How can we better understand rheumatologic conditions in order to separate fact from fiction? And so I just think it's awesome. So let's talk about this. We're going to get right into it sure. because at the end of the day, people want answers. Now, again, this is not a substitute for professional medical advice, as I said in the beginning. If there's any concerns that you have out there, I want you to talk to your doctor. If you don't have a doctor, find a doctor. But, 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 but you want to talk about everything with your doctor. I don't want you searching Dr. Google, by the way. We're talking about your regular doctor, real doctor. But I don't want you guys searching, searching things that are out there and getting the wrong information. That's why, again, we have these kind of shows, these forums mm -hmm. to talk. And... and, and, and I will say that you know I certainly don't know all the answers to everything in right. health, and mm -hmm. I don't think anybody don't does. Right. Um, but but we want to use our our knowledge and our education and our and our tools and our resources to help you again be a better you. So here we go. Uh, we're talking about rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, fibromyalgia, lupus, gout. These are the kind of things I want to focus on. But before we focus on the mailbag that I have for you, as promised, maybe we can just start with a little overview. So sure. uh, you know, Dr. Silva, can you kind of give us like an overview of like what is rheumatoid arthritis RA? And then we'll sure, say, like, yeah. osteoarthritis. We'll just go one by That's one. That's fine, kind of things. yeah. So um, I gave a talk, actually, like a lunch and learn a couple months ago. I think it was over the summer. And the best way that I, that I approach rheumatologic issues is kind of outside in versus inside out. Okay, so you have to think of autoimmune processes, where it's the immune system attacking the body, versus kind of wear and tear and things that we might be doing to the body. So that's a perfect way because a lot of times people will come to me and they say that their hands hurt and that they have to have rheumatoid arthritis, but that's not the case. So osteoarthritis or degenerative arthritis or wear and tear arthritis, that's all one category. Now that's, that's much different in terms of the pathology and the pathogenesis from rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and some of these other ones that we might not be talking about today, but like psoriatic arthritis and ankylosing spondylitis, which are more... Um, inflammatory and autoimmune in nature. It's really important to tell the difference between these two because the treatment is completely different. So for wear and tear arthritis, there's not a lot that we can do for it, unfortunately, in terms of slowing the progression, in terms of medications. Now there's a whole slew of lifestyle things that I think we'll kind of yeah, get we'll into get hopefully later. Um, 
versus for autoimmune conditions, we really need to target the immune system. So these are stronger medicines that can put patients at risk of infection and all these things, but they're indicated because that's how you treat the disease. Um, and so, you know, risk factors for osteoarthritis are going to be somewhat family history, but definitely weight, lifestyle, trauma, um, injuries, things like that. So any insult to a joint can potentially lead it to have arthritis down the road, and that's not necessarily autoimmune in nature. Gotcha. Um, and then when we talk about rheumatoid arthritis and lupus specifically, so that's where there are specific um, triggers on the immune system that cause this whole cascade of inflammatory cytokines and, and a bunch of other proteins and things to attack different parts of the body. Now, rheumatoid arthritis, like it sounds like, classically is the joint. So it's typically going to cause stiffness in the morning, and it's not just stiffness that lasts for five minutes. I mean, sitting here when I get up, my back's going to be a little yeah. bit stiff, maybe <laughs> a little bit in my knees, but it's not something that's going to be interfering. Now, patients with rheumatoid arthritis classically have that stiffness that lasts for like at least 30 minutes. It. So patients can take up to two hours, even longer, to really get going in the morning. And that's because of that amount of inflammation that's in their joints. Um, and then in terms of like lupus, lupus is a really hard um, disease. It can be really hard to diagnose because that's one that classically affects head to toe. So you can have just skin involvement. You can have just kidney involvement. You can have involvement of the heart, the lungs. Some patients just have kind of a hodgepodge of where they have a little bit of joint pain, a little bit of skin rash, a little bit of this, that, and that. And so it, it gets very difficult to treat sometimes because it depends on the severity of the disease and how it's manifesting. That is awesome. Great breakdown, by the way. I love it. You know, what, what would you say this? You know, I, I, when I see things, a lot of times people may come to me mm -hmm. late in the game. Mm -hmm. They might have had symptoms for months on end, and then years. they kind of say, you know, or, or, fair enough, years, mm -hmm. and you're, by the time people maybe see you, and, you know, they're completely frustrated. And I guess the message that I always try to get to my patients is, I want you to say something soon. You know, I always tell people, you know, you give something a few days. I mean, we're human, let's right. be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, but if something's still nagging after a few days, you know, mm -hmm. then I want you to start thinking about it more. But, but, but I think the, th the, the point that you're saying is, is if you delay that diagnosis, first of all, yes, you know, they might be more progress, progress mm -hmm. in their disease um, etiology, in their disease course, the burden. But, but I think about the, the, the things that are missed while somebody's going through those burdens. The, the, the fact that it can take away from your lifestyle mm -hmm. and being active with your family and seeing your loved ones or doing certain things uh, because you're in pain or, or something doesn't move. And, and, and I really want people to know that, that, that it's okay to speak up because we want you to speak up. Mm -hmm. That's what we're here. So, you know, because by the time they come and see you, uh, you, know, you might be talking just straight medicines, right. um, and I might be talking lifestyle for mine, and you probably be reiterating lifestyle, but, right. but they might be coming at you, and you're saying, all right, this has been going on for a couple years now, mm -hmm. and you know, maybe some tests are done, and you're like, oh my gosh, we need to really start talking about medicines so we can feel better. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people don't want to necessarily jump to medicines sure. and say what I do, but they kind of say, well, you've been feeling like this for all this time. we, right. we got to do something. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and I mean, I still try to incorporate other lifestyle changes because even if we're going to target the disease with medications, you still want to make sure you're exercising regularly, you're eating healthy, um, you're cutting out some bad habits such as alcohol as well as smoking. I mean, these are all things that will contribute to just how your overall health will be. And you want to start at the best, um, 
kind of baseline. That way from there we can only get better. Because unfortunately with these diseases, if we don't control it, there can be progression, there can be increased disease burden, and there can be permanent changes from it. Once those permanent you know, erosions or breakdown of the bone happens, we can't reverse that. But we try to slow the progression and kind of, um, like you said before, live your best life. Yeah, live your best life. That's, that's, that's the goal. And that's actually why I went into rheumatology, was the quality of life is really what my goal is and improving in my patients. Excellent. Can you break down break them briefly uh, gout and then fibromyalgia? Sure, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, that's all right. So, no, this is good. Um, so gout is, uh, it's so it's one that's kind of, I know I said inside out versus outside in. It's kind of one that's right in the middle. So gout, there is a hereditary sort of predisposition. So if there's family members who have a history of gout, you might be at increased risk of having it. What it is is that you have high levels of uric acid in your blood. Okay, and now this can be, like I said, there can be some genetic predisposition, so some people who eat very clean can still get high levels of uric acid. But what happens is when you get these uric acid um, elevations in your blood, whether it's due to your kidneys not being able to filter it out or you just have an overproduction, um, can't even happen in some people who have cancer because of that high cell turnover yes. is what it's called. So when you have all these uncontrolled cell growth, which can lead to tumors and whatnot, um, that can cause this high levels of uric acid. And then the main one is diet. So eating food that's high in purines is known to kind of cause the gout. And what happens is you get these uric acid crystals that deposit within the joint space itself and that causes robust inflammatory response. You have all this inflammation. That's why people can, can barely tolerate even a sheet over their toe. That's like yeah. the classic yeah. sort of scenario because of how sensitive it is and how infl inflamed it is in that joint. Yeah. Um, and what happens is when that goes chronic, when that gets into the chronic phase and it's not treated, there can actually be breakdown of the bone itself and then chronic changes there. You can even get what's called tophi, which are these almost nodules or bumps that form over the joints, which are full of this uric acid. Yeah. And then that can make it hard to even have regular shoes fit normally. Yeah. I think about so. even like those in those cases where you see somebody with these bumps, this tophi that yes. tells that they get infected yes. and that can lead somebody to be very sick. Yes. Uh, and that's what you want to And it's yeah. not just over the toe. So yeah. that's just the classic place, right? The first big toe is kind of what's classic that you see pictures of, cartoons of, that date back into I don't even know how long ago. But it can affect the, I've seen it in the hands, I've seen it in the elbows. I mean, you can even get with really high levels, you can get skin deposition. And so you can get little white crystals that form under the skin as well. I mean, that's an outlier, but that can still happen. Right. You mentioned, Dr. DeSilva mentioned the word purines, and purines are natural substances that are found in certain foods that we think about classically as in um, organ meat like liver or sometimes even some fish products like sardines for example mm -hmm. or anchovies. anchovies and then they basically uh, purines form uh, turn into form uric acid crystals and again of course those crystals are the things that as Dr. De Silva mm -hmm. eloquently mentioned that they get deposited lodged into those joints and cause a ruckus mm -hmm. without a doubt and statistically I know um, I mean there's obviously millions of people that suffer from gout but I believe it's statistically one of the most common uh, forms of arthritis in men over the age of 40. Yes, yes. So it happens more often, more often in men 
for sure, but that does not mean that women are not okay. able to have gout. Um, the thing is, is that it typically happens in postmenopausal women because what happens is estrogen can kind of help protect and kind of help with the whole, I won't get into the nitty gritty of the physiology behind it, but estrogen is somewhat protective against the development of gout due to how the uric acid builds and how it gets processed. Oh. So that's why you don't normally see women who haven't gone through menopause have gout. But anyone who's no longer getting their period, their estrogen levels are different, they can get gout. So that is somewhat of like yeah. a mis misconception that it's only in men. I treat many women who have gout as thank well. You for, thank you for clarifying that one, because mm -hmm. I agree. I think that's really the public sentiment on that mm -hmm. one. So anybody does not discriminate without a doubt. And lastly, let's do just a quick thing on fibro. Fibro, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's definitely a hot topic right now. Um, it is getting more and more diagnosed, I feel like. Um, it's not a true autoimmune condition, and it is not lupus. I think it's really important to clarify that, and they're kind of mutually exclusive, meaning just because you have fibromyalgia does not mean you'll develop rheumatoid or lupus or another autoimmune condition. Um, it is more found in patients who have a history of depression, anxiety, and PTSD, but you don't need to have those conditions to have fibromyalgia. Um, a lot of the symptoms with fibro can be misconstrued and do overlap with lupus. So you can have kind of chronic fatigue, general just unwell feeling, kind of diffuse pain, but the pain is not necessarily just over the joints. It can be in the muscles and maybe even over where tendons can be, um, and it definitely is more aggravated by lifestyle sort of yeah. things, right? So lack of sleep, which you mentioned before, that sleep is a huge... affects everything in the body, every body system. Exactly. It's a huge reason as to why. I mean, if you think about it, if you don't sleep well, let's say you do two nights in a row where you, you know, whether it's a, you're caring for somebody who's sick or you're sick yourself, and you're just not sleeping, think about how you feel after that. You feel so run down, your whole body just aches. That's kind of like fibromyalgia, but on a daily basis. Wow. So you have to think if you're not, if you're not resting or kind of think about your phone. If you're not charging it while you're sleeping at night, it's going to be on low battery. It's not going to function throughout the day the next day. It's the same thing, not same, but very similar with fibromyalgia. If you don't let your body rest, you need to be getting at least six to eight hours of, of sleep at night. And that's like quality sleep. Yeah. So not an hour here, waking up, looking at your phone, going back to bed, an hour there, and it's spread out. It needs to be six to eight hours of quality sleep. Yeah, I always tell my patients, we live in a society where we're, we're um, where sleep deprivation is pervasive, oh, mm -hmm. without a doubt, and certainly in, in adults, uh, and we see it in the kids. So we did a sleep show a few weeks ago and broke mm -hmm. that down, and yes, touching base on, on the importance of sleep, just the restorative things that are ha that are made when you sleep, and we just don't yes. set out time for that one. I mean, we're busy, but uh, as my good friend it's Dr. Flora said mm -hmm. at that time, he said, um, compared to Americans 100 years ago, the current day American gets one and a half hours of sleep, of less sleep, per night than they did 100 plus years ago. And I go, wow, you know, sometimes when you get that, that lack of yeah. sleep, you go, I would love to have a one and a half hours more sleep mm -hmm. and how, how amazing you feel after oh, that. Yeah. So without a doubt when it yeah. comes to lifestyle, so thank you. So the sleep definitely helps with the fibromyalgia as well as exercise. So a lot of times people get caught up because they feel so horrible that they can't exercise. But exercise is so important when it comes to fibromyalgia. Regular routine physical activity will actually help the pain get better. Um, so it's not all medication, and patients who, who I see for fibromyalgia see that I do a multi kind of disciplinary sort nice. of attack of the disease. It's not, I'm not just throwing medicine, because if we're not getting that quality sleep and not regular exercise, we're not, it's kind of a drop in the bucket is what I say, that we're not making 
like headway when we're talking about the treatment. In terms of medications, it is treating that underlying depression, anxiety, or PTSD. So there are medications that can help with that, that help with both the depression, anxiety, as well as the pain. And then there are some of these nerve kind of medicines because it's thought to be somewhat of an overactive nerve yeah, syndrome. It's, it's so that's disorder. where like gabapentin or Lyrica, you can see a lot of commercials for that on TV. That's where those can play a role. But again, I don't just start and throw medicine at patients. I think it's really important to know the lifestyle modifications, making sure you're eating healthy, as well as getting that proper sleep and exercise. Excellent. Well, thank you for breaking mm -hmm. down these overviews. So we're going to get right into it. Some of these grab bag type things. So I want to go right here. Uh, I'm going to help out too when I can, but again, this show's for you. So here we go. I'm debuting something new on To Your Health with Dr. G. Here we go. Is it true? So is it true that I'll take the first one. Here okay. we go. Now, these are again. These are these are commonly asked questions. I want to give you answers. So, is it true that we should eat fish to curb inflammation, aka salmon, tuna, mackerel, and sardines? I would say, of course, we were looking at the anti-inflammatory. We're looking at inflammation-fighting omega-3 fatty acids, and so uh, that is usually part of a of a typical diet. We're talking about an anti-inflammatory diet, but but this is also getting away from. Um, from some of the challenges with the typical American diet that can actually promote more disease. And I would actually take this a step further because you guys have heard me talk about the benefits of whole food, plant-based approaches. You can unlock, unlock so many antioxidants and anti-inflammatory properties that are found in those key minerals that are found in whole food, plant-based mm -hmm. nutritional approaches. All right, so here we go. Dr. Giselle, I'd like this one for you. Mm -hmm. Is it true that, that wearing a copper bracelet can cure arthritis? So that is false. Um, so wearing, so wearing a copper bracelet. I actually, I actually did yeah. a, a quick lick literature search on this yeah. and there were studies that date back into the 70s about this so 